Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas in advance to everybody. And if you're joining us by podcasts, then we really wish you the very, very best. Let's pray as we begin tonight. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we pause. We pause to say thank you for a year of you being able to sit at your feet. We turn our eyes to you, Father, and we thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, um, quite excited about tonight. It's going to be a fun night. The Lord is going to do some very interesting things. I'm, I'm quite excited. I'm excited because this is something that we're going to do something tonight that I've never really done before. And it's going to be great. Um, I hope you had a wonderful week. And so we're going to jump in as we come to the end of the year. And so um, what we're going to do tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is this. When I was preparing for tonight and I was asking the Lord, what should we do? What should we say? Because this is the, our last gathering and we're really grateful. Um, we're really, really grateful to Deacon Bumi for taking last week. I know you had an amazing time um, with him. And so we're really, really grateful. And we want, just wanted to celebrate him before we start. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, what, this is what happened to me while I was preparing. I just sat down. The Lord said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the message because I had the privilege of preaching in Jesus' house on Sunday. And he said, I want you to take that message and I want you to break it down a bit more tonight. Um, and I really pray that it blesses you. Um, I'm quite excited for what the Lord is about to do. As we come to the end of this year, I want the one thing we want you to take home is something very simple. And it is this, is that God can be trusted. God is faithful and he can be trusted. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we will take our reading um, tonight from Luke chapter one, and I'll pick up the narrative. Um, there are lots of, um, we had quite a remarkable carol service, and there are loads of them all over. And this is central to the narrative in all of those. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the, from Luke chapter one, verse 26. And I'm going to stop at verse 38, Luke 1, 26, and I'll stop at verse 38. I'll read from the King James version of the Bible. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. 
Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Ladies and gentlemen, as we pause to celebrate Christmas, as we pause to celebrate Jesus Christ at this season, this particular exchange is quite pivotal. And it, it drives home exactly what the Lord wants you to remember as we come to the end of this year. And remember, we may come to the end of a calendar year. That does not mean the words, the promises, or the assurances that God has given you in this season have come to an end. This is a calendar year. God is still going to do everything he promised you, everything he said. And so as we look at this, we realize something that we, we, we want to hold on to, and it's this. Jesus Christ's arrival, Jesus Christ coming to the earth, and everything he stood for was based upon the Lord making a promise. Not for any other reason than he decided this is how. I'm going to solve the challenges that you face or we face as human beings. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we realized, and this is one of the things that really touched me while I was preparing both for Sunday and for tonight, is that Jesus Christ is a fulfilled promise. Now, promises are very interesting things. Promises are the constituent parts of covenants and agreements. But that may, what I want you to realize is this, Jesus Christ's birth is the most prophesied, the most awaited arrival of anyone on the face of the earth. And I want you to realize God said it and God kept his word. And so the first thing I want you to realize that Jesus Christ, when we look at Jesus Christ, the fulfilled promise, I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, and please hold on to this, is this. When God makes a promise, he will keep it to you. Jesus Christ is the prime example of that promise. And what we're going to look at in the next 45 minutes or so uh, what that gives us as people. And I hope it sets you up for the new year in a very remarkable way. Christmas is a wonderful season. There are lots of things, but the reason for the season is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And on top of that, the reason for the season or the reason we have a celebration of Christmas is because God kept his word. He promised when we were at our lowest, that this is what I'll do. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to help you through it. And that's what I want you to realize. And so ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are tonight, I want you to realize that God can be trusted. So let's dig in. And so the first thing I want you to 
to focus on. And please turn in your Bibles to Luke 1, verse 37. Let's focus on verse 37. The Bible says the following. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, the reason I want to focus on that is this. Let's remember. Let me break that down. The Bible says for with God. That means in the proximity or in the realm of God, the word used in English is nothing. That word means no saying, no promise, no assurance, no statement, no prophecy that God sends from him to you. And the word in Greek is rhema. That is an active, empowered word. That's not just him saying it. It's a word that will bring itself to pass because all the necessary power to bring it to pass is sent with that word. And the Bible says, for with God, nothing, that means no rhema, no promise, no assurance, no prophecy, no declaration of good that God sends shall be impossible. That means it will have the ability to bring itself to pass irrespective perspective of the circumstances that it finds itself in. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize, notice, Jesus Christ is exactly that. If Satan wanted to stop anything, it would have been the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. After that, it was his resurrection. Satan couldn't stop both. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hold on to that as we go into tonight. That number one, that God is faithful. Number two, when God gives you a word, nothing can stop it. And a promise is a rhema word. It's an assurance that God will do something on your behalf. And he says the ability to get it done is going to come because I gave you the promise. God does not promise anything that he cannot do. And so what, just to back this up um, as we go forward, let's have a look at two, two, um, one or two scriptures to back that up. Please turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Genesis 18, verse 14. And the Lord says exactly that. And the Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, the word there, anything, is that, is there anything, anything that God says, anything that God promises, is it too hard or too difficult for the Lord? And the answer is no. And so we realize that the Bible says it very clearly that nothing, nothing, no thing is too hard for the Lord. I don't know what promise the Lord has given you, ladies and gentlemen, but I want you to realize because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that promise changes your world. And so that's, that's one scripture. Turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Jeremiah 32, and we'll look at verse 17. And the Bible says the following, Jeremiah 32, verse 17. And the Bible says the following, Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. There is nothing too hard for thee. So, ladies and gentlemen, we realize throughout Scripture, the Bible says there is nothing, no rhema word, no promise or assurance that is too hard for the Lord. And Jesus Christ's arrival was a promise. It was an assurance. You find that assurance in Genesis chapter 3. Um, this is the first place we see it. Genesis chapter 3. 
and the Lord said, is while the Lord is judging the serpent, the Bible says, the Lord says the following. Verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the feast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life verse 15 and i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel so what had god done at the beginning of creation when everything went wrong he said this is a solution this is the solution. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize throughout the Bible that Jesus Christ's arrival was prophesied. It was a promise God made. He didn't have to. He said, this is how I've determined to fix things if it goes wrong. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hold on to the fact that Jesus Christ is the promise fulfilled. And that means what every other promise of God gives us, Jesus Christ makes available. And so we're coming to 714. We're going to pause here. And we're going to take our declaration. And then we're going to look at nine things that the promise gives us. And I hope that sets you up for a brand new year. Let's take our declaration. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves. We pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord forgive our sins and heal our land in jesus's name we pray the and then let's make the declaration we declare our land is healed in the name of jesus and wherever you are ladies and gentlemen wherever you're listening to this we declare that over your life that the land you live in the city you find yourself in the area that you find yourself in the 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 prefecture whatever whatever area you find yourself in may it be healed and i don't say that lightly may god do that for you and so ladies and gentlemen let's dig into tonight so what do the promises give us we realize that when god says for with god nothing shall be impossible so let's look at the first thing the first thing I want you to realize, and this is what Jesus makes available, and this is what the promise makes available, and it's this. The first thing is that through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have the ability to function like God and receive the things of God. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that means the ability and the strength of God. We can receive it because of what Jesus has done. And so I want you also to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that through him, we are able to function just like our father because of what he does. So let's have a look at that really quickly, um, and then we'll move on. Please turn in your Bible to the book of Ezekiel, and we are going to look um, 36, verse 25. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36, verse 25, the Bible says the following. Speaking about what happens when we come to Jesus Christ, I'm going to read from verse 25 
and I'm going to stop at verse 29. So I'm going to read from 25 to 29. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. And from all your filthiness and all your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Verse 28, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all unclean, all your uncleannesses. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine on you. Ladies and gentlemen, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are able to receive directly from God once more, not only his power and ability, but we can also function just like God functions. How do we do that? And that's what a promise gives us when we have an assurance. This is, this is key. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. Let's have a look at this in action. John chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verses 12 to 14. Jesus says the following. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Then he says the following. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. So Jesus said, when you're speaking to the father, you ask for something in his name and the Bible says it will be done, which is how God functions. When God makes a statement, something happens. Please turn in your Bible also, and then we will move on Romans to Romans 10 verse 10. Now, remember, we now have a new heart. We now have a, a new spirit and God's spirit lives in us. This is what we can now do. And the Bible says the following. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So ladies and gentlemen, through Jesus Christ, we can now believe what God says and access his righteousness through him. The Bible then says, when you now on the back of that make a confession, the word used there is salvation shows up. That means when you make a statement, it will happen as God said it will happen. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how God functions. When God speaks, he says of himself, the word that comes out of my mouth will not come back to me void. You find that in Isaiah 55 verse 11. And so ladies and gentlemen, you and I, through Jesus Christ, are able now to function like our father. We can take the word of God. We can process it, come to a place where we believe it and make very clear statements so that when we now make the statement, God backs us up. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Because notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, for when the heart of man believes, something kicks in. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's how God functions. 
God says, when I speak my word, things happen. And so the first thing that the promise does, and the first thing that Jesus Christ, the promise does, is gives us the ability to function like God, but also it gives us the ability to receive the strength and power of God so that when we speak, God can back it up. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you realize that when you celebrate Christmas, it is your victory celebration. It means things have fundamentally changed. And that was the first thing I want you to realize. Jesus Christ is a promise fulfilled. And so we, through him, can function like our father once more. Okay? And the results will be the same. So let's go to the second thing that we realize about Jesus Christ. And it is this. When God gives you a promise, you'll notice throughout the Bible, God's promises are problem solvers. When God gives you his word, he says, against all odds, it looks like everything is going wrong. Abraham has no children. God gives him a promise and children show up. And so what I want you to realize when God wants to solve a problem, when God wants to fix something, he gives his people a promise. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 107, and we'll go to verse 20. And we will have a look at verse 20. The Bible says the following, Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So when God wants to solve a problem, ladies and gentlemen, he sends his word. Now, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I want you to understand that there is no problem that you are facing, that the solution is not already granted in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's look at two scriptures to back that up, and then we'll move on. Please turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Actually, no, ladies and gentlemen, please turn in your Bible. I, I take that back. Please turn in your Bible to Rev, the book of Revelations, chapter 5, verse 12. Revelations 5, verse 12. Now, I want you also to re realize, ladies and gentlemen, that what you're about to read is the fact that there is no challenge that you and I will face that Jesus Christ has not been given the solution to and is the solution to. And so we realize when we read Revelations 5, this is talking about the graphic representation of answered prayer that John the Revelator saw in heaven. Um, I'm going to read, I'll, I'm going to verse 12, but I'll read from verse 7. And the Bible says, actually, I'll read from verse 6. I'll read from verse 6. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors notice what it says in verse 8 
which are the prayers of the saints. So I'm going to pause there for a moment. That means when you lift up your prayers to God, there is a book that has your entire life written in it, that has the promises written in it, that has God's promises and assurances written in it. And the Bible says the only person that has access to that book is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to go on from there, but I want you to realize that there's nothing about you that is not written in the positive in the Lamb's book of life. It is there. The book is in the hands of the Father, and the only person that has access to the book is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, notice, the prayers of the saints have been lifted, and they're dependent on this book being opened, the books of there, there are lots of the books of remembrance, the book where the Lord has written all your members. Um, let me find that for you. Um, just to show, just to clarify. Okay, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. And I'm going to read from verse 14. And I will read from, yes, 14 to 16, 14 to 16. So you realize, ladies and gentlemen, as you go into this year, good has been determined concerning you by God. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16 is critical. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them, meaning your life was written out in the positive by an almighty God. That's why we have a purpose and a destiny. That's why our paths and the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. So keep it in mind that God has written concerning you good. So when you now come to God in prayer and says, Lord, my life does not agree with what you have written. The Bible says Jesus Christ steps in and he enforces what is written in the book. Let's go back to Revelations chapter five and see it in action. And then we will move on to the next point. Revelations five, and we're going to pick up the narrative. We're going to pick up the narrative. I'll read it from verse nine. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That is a sermon in and of itself. But listen to verse 11, and I beheld, and I 
heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And this is what they said, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Everything you require. That means Jesus has within his hands at your behest, he has the ability to bring to pass whatever is written in the book. Power is the miraculous working power of God. Riches, that means whatever your deliverance costs, whatever is required for God to reach into his riches and pour it into your life, God can. Whatever wisdom is necessary, whether that be heavenly or earthly wisdom, to sort your situation, your challenge or your future out so that what is written in the book becomes a reality is in the hands of Jesus. Whatever strength is necessary for him to bring to bear on your behalf, whatever honor, rank, and ability that is necessary so he can step in so that whatever ails you will step out is there. The glory is the weight, ability, and resources of God. The Bible says God has given him the lot so that there's nothing missing, but the last one is where I'm going. The Bible says, and blessing. The word blessing means fine speaking, that which was spoken over your life at creation. The Bible says the responsibility for its fulfillment is in the hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So ladies and gentlemen, what am I telling you? I want you to understand that the promise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, holds in his hands the ability to bring to pass God's plans and purposes concerning you from this day forward and going on. Hear me well. This is going to be the best year of your life. So ladies and gentlemen, why am I saying that? Because promises are God's problem solvers. So when you are facing a challenge, you can turn to God's problem solver and ask in the name of Jesus, and he will draw on the resources of the Almighty, and what you are asking for will become a reality. Ladies and gentlemen, when you put the promises of God in front of your challenge, your challenge will bow. And so I want that's the second thing I want you to realize, and that's what Jesus, that's why we're celebrating at Christmas, because it means that Tomorrow is sorted because of him. And that's why we celebrate. Let's go to the third thing. The third thing is really key, and it's this, that the key to begin, continue, and complete the process of God's miraculous power in your life is within your reach, and it is belief. I want you to notice, ladies, and let's go back to, to Mary's story, Luke chapter one. And I want you to look at, Mary makes a statement in verse 38, and she says the following, after the angel presents to her 
an absolute impossibility with mankind. She says the following, and Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What does that mean? That this is my part. My part is, you know what? I believe you. I accept what you're saying is true. It may never have been done, but I believe you. And the process began from that point forward. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you, I want you to keep this in mind. The key to making sure that the process of the promise comes to pass in your life is within your reach, and it is belief. We've already looked at Romans 10.10. 10. Everybody on earth can believe. And the Bible says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. So when you believe, the process kicks in. Turn with me, please, to Mark 11. Jesus put it much nicer than I can. I'm going quite quickly because I want to get through all nine. Mark 11. I'm, I'm going to start at verse 22, and I'm going to read to 23. I would go on to 24. It's preaching material, but let's stay with Mark 11, 22 and 23. Now, Mark 11, 22 says the following, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. This is after he spoke to the fig tree and the fig tree withered. Now, what is actually written there, Mark 11, verse 22, when you look at it in the literal version of the Bible, and I'll read it to you. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith of God. In other versions, have the faith of God. In the English Revised Version, it says, have faith in God. What is it saying? Have the same confidence in God's word, promise, and ability that God has when he speaks his word. That means Mary said, I believe you. I have complete trust in what you say. And that's the key that will cause the promise, not just to start, but to run to fulfillment. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize this is what Jesus said. Mark 11, 23, 22 and 23, Jesus said, have the same kind of faith that God has. And then he explains it in simple terms. Verse 23, the Bible says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. The Bible says he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then Jesus said, employ this in the place of prayer. And he says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I want you to understand later, then before we move on, is this, the key to ensuring the fulfillment of the promises of God in your life as written, verbatim, lie within your reach. And it is the ability to believe, to accept as true that what God said and what God promised will come to pass. 
and nothing's going to stop it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to please, this ingredient, add this to the promises you're holding on to. Whatsoever challenges you may face in the new year, whatsoever needs you have in the new year, the Bible says you have within your reach the ability to trigger the promises of God, not just to start, but to run them all the way to fulfillment. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hold on to that. So that changes things. Let's go to number four. Number four, the thing I want you to remember, ladies and gentlemen, is this. God's promises are the only way out you need. Now, when I say that, you say, what do I mean? Because when God gives you his word, the word will take care of all the details. Now, this is, it's a very interesting statement, but I want you to realize the Bible says two things I want you to understand about the word of God really quickly. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews 4 verse 12. And I'll read that to you. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says the following. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read that to you in the Amplified Bible. And the Bible says the following, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. And then it says it's sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. But I want you to realize, please remember this, God's word is alive. Why? God's word is a person. John chapter one, verse one says the following. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when God gives you his word, it's alive. That means whatever challenge comes against you, the word of God is ready. To give you a very short summary of what I'm talking about, think about it. Once Mary had believed the angel, she now had the problem of her husband. Now her husband had to come to a point where he had to believe her that it was the Holy Spirit that made her pregnant. Now, now, now that, that's a barbershop story. That, wait, are you telling me that the Holy Ghost did this to you? The Bible says the word of God sorted it out. An angel goes and speaks to Joseph. Joseph comes to the point and he takes on Mary and he becomes her defender and her protector. He does it great. They then move to be taxed. As they go to be taxed, they realize in a dream, Herod is coming to kill you. You need to leave. Don't go home. Leave here and go into Egypt. That's an unplanned journey with a brand new baby. But the Lord has sent three wise men to give them enough resources to actually go to Egypt and come back and not struggle. One of the gifts they had was gold. And remember, the amount of gold the king or the wise men brought was to honor a king. 
That means they brought abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. When God gives you his word, he works out all the details. And the story goes on and on. And I want you to hold on to that. The word of God will ensure that it's the only way out that you need. Hold on to this thing. Hold on to this, this scripture. Isaiah 55 verse 11. One of my favorites. Isaiah 55 verse 11. And I'll read in the King James Version of the Bible and then we'll move on. The Bible says the following. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That means no matter what comes against you while you are holding on to God's promise, the promise is able to deal with whatever comes against you. We see this in Mark 5. You don't have time to go there, but you realize when Jesus was going to Jairus' house and they came in the middle and said, you know what? Leave the master. The problem you had before was your daughter was sick. Now she's dead. Leave her be. Jesus said, do not be afraid. I've got this. And we realize, ladies and gentlemen, that no matter what is thrown at the promise, the promise will win out. Let's go to number five. Number five is this. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to please hold on. Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. And this is what I want you to realize. The Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yea, that's yes, and in him are men unto the glory of God by us. Listen very carefully. Ladies and gentlemen, when you claim one of the promises of God, Jesus said they are mine. And that means they are yours because you are part of my body. So I want you to realize that you have a claim of ownership, that the same thing that was available to Jesus is available to you. That means when you are fighting for a promise, I want you to understand you are fighting for something that God has given you as your possession, whether that be healing, whether that be prosperity, whether that be direction, whether that be help, whether that be wisdom, insight, understanding, a future, a hope, whatever it is, the Bible says God has given it to you by inheritance. How? Through Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and then we will move on. Romans chapter 8. Let me go to verse. And the Bible says the following. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. Pause for a moment. I want you to also put that scripture, ladies and gentlemen, next to John chapter 16, verse 15. John 16, verse 15. Jesus says, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. What have you inherited with Jesus Christ? Everything. 
That means whatever is Jesus, the Bible says whatever belongs to Jesus, you are a joint heir. That means as it was given to Jesus, it was given to you. So when you are holding on to a promise, you are not holding on to something God has begrudgingly given you, but you are holding on to something that he's given you as your personal possession that you can fight for tooth and nail. Hold on to the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. Would I love to preach this out, but we don't have time. Let's keep going. Number six, and this is, this is going to be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, promises have triggers. And triggers mean once you hit the trigger, the process associated with the trigger kicks in. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 1. The Bible says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, that's the good news, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Meaning, what is the trigger that God is looking for when you come in contact with a promise? It is faith. And ladies and gentlemen, faith is simply put, let me read verse Hebrews 11, verse 6, before I give you the definition. The Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say it now. The only trigger, primary trigger, for the promises of God are that you believe that God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do, and he is willing to do it on your behalf. And the Bible says that's the trigger. That's the trigger Mary had. She simply believed that, God, you are true to your word. The same way you spend a 50-pound note without having any glimpse of the silver that backs the, the, the note, but you spend it with confidence because the person who gave you the note, which is the Crown and the Bank of England, are trustworthy and their track record is impeccable. In the same way, God is trustworthy and his track record is impeccable. And that's what I want you to keep in mind. Um, the next this is the key point. So please, ladies and gentlemen, this is number seven. Promises inevitably lead us to a place of living without fear. And that is what Jesus has done for you and I that we will no longer live a life of fear. But let me drive this home. So let's break that down a little bit so we understand what the Lord is saying. Notice, 
the first thing that shows up as a wrinkle or a spot on a perfect creation is fear comes into the relationship between God and man. Come with me to Genesis chapter three. And the Bible says man has eaten, the, the, the man and woman have eaten the fruit, they've fallen. Um, I'll read from seven. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Verse eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Verse nine. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Notice, the key indicator that something had gone wrong was the presence of fear. Jesus's arrival takes that fear away. Listen to John the Baptist's father. Come with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 1. And verse, uh, I will read from verse 71, Luke 1, verse 71. This is John the Baptist's father speaking, who has been dumb because he didn't believe the angel when the angel said, your wife will have a baby. Different story. Luke 1, verse 71 that we should be saved, he's now prophesying, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. He's extolling God. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he will grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without what? Fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something, please. The first fear that God takes away when Jesus steps in is a fear of him. Meaning you are able to once more know for a fact that God loves you, and when he says something to you, he only means you well. Jesus makes sure that when we come before a holy God, the one thing that is absent is fear. We are no longer afraid that God may judge us or tear us apart because of what Jesus has done. There are a couple of scriptures that drive this home, but none better than Hebrews chapter four. I will pick up the narrative from verse 13 because we have read verse 12 already. The Bible, and I'm going to read to verse 16. The Bible says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him 
with whom we have to do. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, notice what happens. Because of Jesus, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. Because of Jesus's sacrifice, death, resurrection, victory, the one person you no longer have to fear is God. That means you can be reassured that God is on your side. No matter what you are going through, because you can now, uh, you are able to come before the Lord without any fear or worry. You have access to the highest place in heaven. You can come into the Holy of Holies. You can stand before a holy God and you stand there confidently because of the blood of Jesus. And you have no fear that he's going to judge you. Why? Because the price of our mistakes have been paid by Jesus Christ. In him, we have become righteous. And so you can stand before God without fear. So ladies and gentlemen, please come with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, 22. And the Bible says the following, Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. The Bible says the following, but you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. But this is the key. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than of Abel. What are we talking about? Listen carefully. You no longer have any fear. When you are facing anything, go to God first. Because the Bible says now you can go to God. He's not your judge. He's now your father. And that means through the promises of God. Through Jesus Christ, you and I, ladies and gentlemen, can go before our Father. We have access where everybody else doesn't, and we can go there without fear. Meaning, no matter what next year brings, because God is with you, you have nothing to fear. Doesn't matter whether it's high or low. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter whether it's dark or light because God is with you. Everything will work out. And the Bible says that this is key. Jesus said, from this day forward, you do not have to live in fear because you can go straight to your father knowing that you will be accepted because of what 
Jesus has done. And that means if we don't fear God, then we will not fear tomorrow. We will definitely not fear Satan. We will definitely not fear our circumstances. Why? Because God is with us. And ladies and gentlemen, this is probably the most powerful thing that Jesus gives us. He says, you no longer have to be afraid. When God points you to the new, when God points you to tomorrow, the one thing you do not have to be is afraid. So you don't have to hide yourself from your father who loves you and only wants to help you. Last thing we're going to talk about, and this is the beauty of God's promises. Ladies and gentlemen, God's promises cause that which is real but invisible to become visible and real where you and I are. Turning your Bible, please, to Hebrews 11, verse 1. And this is where we're going to, we're going to close it out here. And then I would like to pray with you. Hebrews 11, verse 1. This is what I want you to realize. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Pause. That means, ladies and gentlemen, when God gives you a promise, it is already done, albeit it is invisible. What will move it from the invisible into the visible is that we believe what God says. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want you to realize if God has promised to heal you, then your healing is already a reality. If God has promised you a breakthrough, it's a reality. If God has promised you direction, it is already a reality. He has done it already. And he's willing to transfer it to you once you believe him. So ladies and gentlemen, there is no need that you are going to face in the next 12 months. There is no challenge you are going to face in the next 12 months. There is no mountain that you will face, no valley that you will face that has not already been answered in the name of Jesus. I want you to please hold on to this. Hold on to the fact that when you hold on to the promise, that which God has prepared will become a reality in your life. Because in him, the Bible says the promises are yes and they are amen. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize as you come to Christmas this year and as we close, and we're going to close in prayer, as you come to Christmas, I want you to realize you're celebrating for a good reason because Jesus is the fulfilled promise. That means no matter what happens, no matter what is planned, no matter what the way this cookie crumbles, God has got your back. 
And so ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say a prayer for you. This is and just so that we can bring a couple of announcements just before we pray. This will be the last Bible study we'll have for this season. Um, we'll pick it up on January the 16th. Um, that's on the announcement. So we'll come back with the Bible study on January the 16th. Um, it gives all of us an opportunity to have an absolutely great break. We want to say thank you to the technical team. Thank you to the team. Thank you for everybody who makes this possible. We are really grateful to the technical team that make this possible, that put it up onto the podcast. We're grateful, but we want to give them a break. And so we're coming back on January the 16th and we're looking forward to it. But hear me well, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you face, as you celebrate Christmas, know for a fact that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. No word, no promise, no assurance that is going to be impossible for the Lord your God. So let's say a prayer. And Father Almighty God, we just bring each and every person here, and especially those believing God for a miracle. We pray, Father Almighty God, that in this season, as they go into Christmas and they go into the new year, we pray for miracles, miracles of health, miracles of healing, miracles of provision, miracles of family, wheresoever miracles are required. My Father, I ask you to cause them to become a reality in their lives. I ask you to stand with your people, allow us to stand with your people and Father, cover each person whatsoever need they bring before you in the next four weeks my father we ask you to grant in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ for those who are in a life or death battle father we declare life over them for those who need provision for those who need a breakthrough for those who need hope for those who need life in christ jesus we declare it over you and we ask the lord to do it so that he will be glorified in the sun. And Father, we just wish everybody a really Merry Christmas. We ask you, Father, as we celebrate this Christmas, oh Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas, let us realize that he is the promise that is fulfilled. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a wonderful time. Please keep your eyes on the schedules for the new year. It's going to be a great for the Christmas Day service, the New Year's service, and a crossover service and New Year. Remember, it's um, Sunday. We're going from Saturday night into Sunday this year, and it's going to be great. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you and may God keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. But most of all, may God grant you peace. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas.